Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. It's coming up to that time of the year when New Zealand's film fanatics brace themselves for an onslaught of over a hundred of the best, the most engaging and perplexing, the most confronting and comforting movies of the year. Films from around the world and a great collection from Aotearoa, not to mention Senegal, Mongolia, Taiwan, Finland and who knows where. Well, there's a lot to get through, so let's buckle up. I'm joined by New Zealand International Film Festival General Manager, Sally Woodfield. Hi, Sally. Hello, Simon. It's so great to be in the studio with you. You know, the last few years we've done this on Zoom or it, by phone. It's not the same, is it? No. This, this year's festival, bigger and better than last year? Well, clearly bigger. Clearly bigger. Um, yes, this year our head of programming, I gave him the challenge, he need more than 100 films, so he's come up with 131 features <laughs> and then a whole heap of shorts as well. So, right. um, you know, cramming them all in and really excited about the collection this year. At a time when there seems to be so much content on so many platforms, what's the role of a film festival, do you reckon? The idea with the film festival and what we've really leaned into is that there's nothing better than seeing those films up on the big screen. And I I seem to remember we had a conversation last year, maybe even the year before, Mm. about a film I had seen in the theatre, you'd seen it on a small screen, and we had had a totally different experience with that film. And like some of these films, we've been really lucky as a team to be able to see just in you know a small cinema, but you know up on the big screen as as a team as we're going through our selection process, Mm. and you're sitting in an audience even with a small number of people we're sitting there and there's a film that you know like we could hear one of our team members reach for her tissues get them out as you know as we were getting to the climax of the film it's that feeling of being with an audience and that idea of collective watching and experiencing and the other thing is I do watch Netflix stuff Mm. you know we all do all of us are are consummate watchers we view all sorts of things we have so many debates in the office about TV stuff and films and all sorts of things Mm. one of the things with that is it's really when you're watching at home you know you're often distracted by other things you're often you know looking up you know, the actors or the films or getting their, their, you know, filmography on the phone. When you're in a cinema... You can't you stop and start. You can't do that. Because no, it would be really bad. And, and you're also, like, having that experience with other people, you share that connection. And we want people to have that connection with the films because I, I feel that especially what we've gone through over the past three years, mm. the desire to connect with people... And I think that that's some of the theme within the within the film festival a little bit this year around being real and reality. You know, there's ChatGPT out there, there's AI, there's fake accounts on Facebook where you're questioning what is real and what isn't real anymore. Someone I showed before we announced the program, I showed them the the cover, our beautiful artwork on the mm. cover. And they asked me if it had been photoshopped and what was real or whether it had been AI generated. I'm like going, no, it's a photo. <laughs> it's a it's real, real. 
that's one of the things that we are all about with the film festival is is real. These are real stories. These are real lives. These are real experiences that we're seeing up on the screen. Well, let's launch into them because there's a bit to get through. And we'll start, if, if I may, with the big tickets, including a, a very satisfactory haul from the Cannes Film Festival, I noticed. Yes. The haul from Cannes was incredible. It's such a buzz when it's happening mm. and we've got you know the team over there they're feeding back to us we're looking at what what's happening we we know ahead of time what we might like so we had had fingers in the pie there but it's not really until the end of can that we actually go this <sighs> is it you know and then we have literally one week to secure those films before we go to print the big title obviously is anatomy of a fall which was the big winner yes the palm d'or winner justin Trey's um beautiful film that we're looking forward to. It's a long film for the opening night. It's a two and a half hour film but we think that our audience will love this film. We were very, very pleased to secure it. It's the third year in a row that we've had the Palm Dior winner. Three in a row is pretty good, isn't it? Three in a row is pretty good and I do remember because when we got Anatomy of a Fall in the same phone call we got a whole host of other films, including Monster, actually, in the same phone call, which that we had, the, our, had our fingers on as well. Cause that, got, that won Best Script, didn't it? It did win Best Script, and I'm a big Coriator fan, so that's been right. on my on the list since the beginning of this year. Um, and I think that the day that we got it, um, our head of programming, Michael McDonnell, was really pleased that I could stop saying Monster every week. <laughs> What's happening with Monster, Michael? There's so many award winners in there as well, but there's also some of the fresh, exciting films out of Cannes with... Um, how to Have Sex, Molly Manning Walker. That is a very striking title. And But I was looking at it thinking, this feels like a carry-on film. But they say, well, not, not, not really. It's The closest no. thing they can compare it with is maybe After Sun, which I thought was a Correct. fantastic film. Yes, and it is a very close comparison with After Sun. It is a gritty film. It's one that we recommend people typing the word film behind if they're Googling it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, of course, um, Tiger Stripes, which run, won the Grand Prix at the Critics Week in Cannes. Um, we are really excited about having that film in the, in the programme. You've also picked up The Golden Bear at Berlin. This is a film called On the Adamant, which I looked at it and I thought, this doesn't even look like a winner of anything. It, it's a documentary of some sort, Yeah, isn't it's it? a documentary, and I think it was a bit of a surprise winner. So Michael, our head of programming, was in Berlin, and, mm. and, then to, and I said to him, is this, you know, isn't it unusual to have a documentary pick up the Golden Bear? And yeah, it is. But um, very much a film that we're very excited to be able to have in the programme. And we've got the Silver Bear winner there as well. Oh, Christian okay. Petzold's A Fire. Now, I love Christian Petzold. I love know. Christian Petzold. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got, I mean, that reminds me really, because you've got a lot of festival favourite directors this year. You mentioned Corriado, we've got Christian Petzold, we've got... Two films by Vim Vendors. I saw that as well. <laughs> I mean, you, there's always going to be one, but two, I think, is, you know, Oh, and one of them's a 3D. Of course it is. He loves 3D. <laughs> of course it is. He? Yes. He's got a slightly different attitude to 3D as I think a lot of Hollywood people have. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit different to, to, yeah. to your normal kind of 3D. The one thing that you don't have that many of is big movie star vehicles, with one exception. <laughs> this is Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, which seems oh. to have hired all the stars in the world. To well, be wouldn't that. you, if you were a big star and Wes Anderson comes knocking on your door, you'd just say yes, right? You would, and then you'd say, who else is in this? And they'd say, everybody, everybody <laughs> else everybody's in it. in it. And this is real Wes Anderson. I mean, this is our big star film. I saw it in Sydney two weeks ago, mm. right up in the gods of the State Theatre there, and it's so classic. 
classic Wes Anderson with those, those very vibrant colours. Mad the little colours. Jokes. The mad colours. I mean, you look at it and you go, this is madness. That's and like, right. you go, this really is madness. There's the little in-jokes and I'm not going to let them out because I don't want to do any spoilers right. for the audience. But yeah, it is, it is kind of like star after star after star. I mean, I mentioned um, famous directors. Todd Haynes uh, is Todd a Haynes. fairly regular person. Yes, with Natalie Portman in that film as well. Natalie Portman and... Um, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore, that's right. And it's a sort Julianne of a... Moore. It's yes. a very Todd Haynes... You know, he's, he does that sort of movie, doesn't he? It's a, a troubled or, or tricky women is what tricky he does. Tricky women <laughs> is a good way of describing Todd Haynes. And, it's, you know, it is a dark comedy. It's a, a great addition to the programme. The other thing that makes it very 2023 also is it's very meta. There's films within films. Uh, the one that I wanted to point out is Riley Keough, who nobody's ever heard of, but she's Elvis Presley's granddaughter. And yeah. she's got a movie called War Pony, which is entirely Native American cast. That looks like a really interesting film. I think that the, the fact that it is an entirely Native American cast has such an appeal. And this is something that we see through the um, film festival program this year is this sense of identity mm. um, through the program. So there's another film that I saw in Sydney and absolutely loved. It's it's his second film. It's called Rice Boy Sleeps by Canadian Korean Anthony Shim as the director and he's actually also in it. And I, I heard him speak over there and it's a totally unknown cast, completely unknown cast because he needed people who were Canadian and spoke fluent Korean. And, you know, like could also, you know, obviously act. Brilliant film, but and talks to the, the diaspora, talks to the idea of, you know, like how, holding on to culture when you're mm. living outside your culture. And we've got that also, of course, with past lives. That's a film that's had a big buzz. In fact, out of all of the films this year, that seems to have had a surprising buzz. It's about American Koreans meeting... I was going to say meet cute, but meeting belatedly, basically, and sort of getting back together. Yeah, it's um, almost that sort of Richard Linklater before sunrise mm. type feel to it, but also has that overlaying of um, of the poignancy around, you know, culture as well. Mm. Celine Song is the director and she is a playwright. This is actually her debut feature film. That seems a very Korean thing. There's been a lot of it in the last two or three years. Yes. Suddenly... Career is the new Italy. Absolutely. I mean, we're seeing some incredible films coming out of Korea. Now, I've got a little bit of a um, a little bit of a hot off the press for you here, Simon. Oh, thanks so much. As Celine is coming to New Zealand for the film festival. Oh, really? She will be in Auckland. We only have her for a couple of days. That's really what I think is exciting about this year, Simon, is that we now have the opportunity to bring out international filmmakers and, you know, we've got a, a good cohort coming. We were looking at, if you like, dominant themes. We've talked a little bit about um, identity. W- one of the themes that seems to have popped up has been gender and sexuality, and there's a lot of that. Uh, there's a, a film called Kokomo City, which is about trans sex workers. There's a film that looks rather interesting called Blue Jean, which is lesbians in the Thatcher years, which is rather nostalgic for me. Casa Susana, which is about 50s cross-dressers. I mean, all human life seems to be in here at the moment. Yeah, it really is reflecting, I feel that it really reflects society. And this is one of the things that I feel that also the film festival has played a big part in stretching people's boundaries and actually showing them other films. We've got um, films around sexuality. 
are for you know young and uh, younger audiences as well, like of an age, um, def- is definitely one that's that I could pick out for that. But mm. also, um, the inspection with Elegance Bratton, which is semi autobiographical well, it is pretty much autobiographical around his experience going into the Marines as a gay man. There was another one that featured, um, you've always got to have a couple of gay icons, and the two that they've picked couldn't be more iconic in some respects. One is Little Richard, the rock and roll pioneer. Absolutely. He was pre-Elvis. If anybody could claim to have kicked it all off, it was him, and he is the most extraordinary person. And the other one was Rock Hudson, who... In the end, I mean, after his rather tragic death of AIDS, he became just known as this gay icon rather than worrying too much about what films he actually made. But I'm hoping that the uh, film All That Heaven Allows will rectify that a little bit, maybe. Yes, and I also think that, you know, like you've touched on um, on Little Richard because I, I know how much you love your music, Simon. <laughs> so um, I feel that there's a good couple of films there for you. But also oh, the other one, actually, while we talk about music films, is Squaring the Circle. This is hypnosis. And I've <laughs> it is hypnosis. Got, I've got my hand up for that one. I looked at all of the music ones there and there are a whole bunch of them but they're very 90s cult. Except for Hypnosis, who were the people who made the best album covers all through the 70s. They were astonishing. They absolutely were astonishing and, you know, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, all of that. 10CC is one that I remember. 10CC, absolutely. Uh, And such a great story. I'm really excited about this film. I can't wait. I actually haven't seen that one. I'm really excited to watch that one. Now, I noticed that politics is also big this year, and you'd be surprised if Donald Trump and the post-truth situation didn't feature. It features fairly heavily here. Mainly a film called A Storm Foretold. I saw this film at Sydney Film Festival a couple of weeks ago and had spent some time with the director as well, Christopher Goldbrinson, who is very, you know, this is a film that's done through his eyes with Roger Stone. And incredibly, he's given the most incredible access. Like, he films so much. And it is telling, not only in terms of the timing, and it is a a little bit of a right place, right time, right? Mm. Because it is in the last two years of the Trump, Uh, Trump's presidency. Leading up to Capitol Hill, which is the storm that they were foretelling all the way through the film, apparently. Well, not only that, he talks about, and Christopher is coming to New Zealand as part of the film festival. Mm. Such a great guy. He's a journalist. He's so knowledgeable and he's been following this story for a long time. Actually, when we were in Sydney, we walked out of the premiere, the Australian premiere, and there on the TV screens opposite was Trump being indicted. (laughs) Talk about timing. So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen Mm. in the next few weeks before this film opens in New Zealand. It's captivating, completely captivating. And there are so many of those what did he just say moments mm. with Roger Stone because it just his ego and his narcissism just is totally right in front of you. And Roger Stone is kind of used to be Donald Trump's publicity guy and campaign manager and then suddenly re- went rogue. I mean, even more rogue than and, and that. And completely in the film, he goes complete turn turncoat because mm. he wasn't getting his an advance pardon. And you know, there there is genuinely a line in the film about you know, like if you use that, I'll murder you. <laughs> oh my goodness! In addition to the Trump stuff, there's a whole lot of 
of other interesting political ones. There's a there's a story about uh, Paris during the bomb scares. This is Paris Memories, which yes. looks fantastic. But the one that I was most interested in was a film called Reality, which is about a whistleblower uh, who initially suggested that there was a lot of Russian interference with the American election in 2016 and went to jail for longer than anybody's ever gone to jail for this before, apparently. Yeah, this, this, this is a film that it's quite mind-blowing, some of the stuff that happens out mm. there that we don't actually necessarily know about until someone has actually come out and put it out there. Well, I think now is the time really to be telling those stories because when you're in the middle of the news cycle, quite often a lot of these just get away from you and things. So I always really like to see something that you think you know a little bit about and then it turns out you don't know nearly enough. Absolutely. And one of the other ones like that while we're talking political films is the, is the biography Merkel. Angela Merkel, Yeah, right. Angela Merkel. And I love her. I, I think she's absolutely great. love her. I think she's incredible. And, you know, this tells her story, which some people, you go, oh, yeah, I know a bit about her, but I don't know that much. And mm. this, this really brings her into, you know, into focus and tells you about her. Let's have a look at some of the New Zealand films. And there are quite a big collection this time round, led by a film called Bad Behaviour. This is Alice Englert, who's at the moment still best known for being Jane Campion's daughter. Every year, the New Zealand films, it becomes, it's quite an interesting process as we pull them together. Mm. Because initially, there might only be a couple sort of like that are out there and then there's a whole lot that are sort of, you know, okay, where are, where's this film at? There, there is a film that isn't in here, which we would have quite liked, that, and simply because it just won't be finished in time. And there's a lot of filmmakers out there, hi to all our wonderful New Zealand filmmakers, right. who are madly, you know, finishing their films off for us. We've got world premieres, we've got nine world premieres, well, actually 11 world premieres. Because, it's always um, been a great place to kickstart a New Zealand film's career, obviously. Absolutely. And I think that this year we really cover a diverse range. We've got films like The Paragon, a a feature fantasy comedy, Mm. um, right through to a documentary on Susie Wiles. Oh, yeah, it's got the best title, Misinformation. Misinformation, <laughs> yes. And yes, of course, Bad Behaviour, which we were we were thrilled to grab that. And Alice is coming over to present the film as well. It's got a great um, cast. But too, it's eh? got a fantastic cast. And one of the cast actually is in one of the other films, a French film. Um, he's in Passages. Oh, this is uh, Ben, um, ben, ben Whishaw. Yeah. yeah, he's in Passages. And mm. so the, we often see that. And that's really exciting for us. And cross-pollination. You quite often see it in New Zealand. And actually mm. we've got, you know, one of our one of our wonderful directors is involved in a whole lot of the other films as well, John Christoffels. Yeah, we're looking forward to Bad Behaviour. We're also really looking forward to King Loser, which is Kushla Dillon and Andrew Moore's film on the Dunedin band, King Loser. I know. I've been talking to a couple of people. The only film they're interested in is the King Loser thing. And I'm thinking, I've never heard of King Loser. Who are they? And they said, oh, no, you should. You had to be there. You had to be in Dunedin in, in the 90s. And the great thing is, in Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch and Dunedin, we're having a gig afterwards. Oh, fantastic. I love this. Um, and it's so fantastic to be able to do, you know, those kind of things as well. Chris Hazelwood and his mates are going getting together and playing in each of those uh, each of the four main cities and I think actually you've touched on on something there Simon is that this year the program has really got something 
um, I hate that phrase, something for everyone, but, right. you know, there might be just one film that appeals to someone. Like mm. the King Loser film, there's a whole audience out there. Mm. There's a whole lot of people who love that 90s punk type band and the story of King Loser. Absolutely. There, likewise with, you know, Square in the Circle is in that box in that Oh, that's so mean, well. I have to say. But I noticed, that speaking of cult bands in New Zealand, I mean, the uh, it's not really a band, it's more a sort of a theatre troupe with music, <laughs> and that's Red Mole. Now, I... I remember Red Mole back in the 70s, and the thing that I'm most interested in is what footage there is, because back in the 70s, people didn't have cameras in their phones all the time. I mean, some people got filmed. Blurter got filmed because they had a whole lot of filmmakers actually in the band, but a lot of other bands didn't. So the fact that you've managed to put together, or they've managed to put together a... Uh, a documentary about them sounds really fascinating. Annie has done such a great job with this film. We really love it. Mm. Red Mole is a bit of an icon in terms of the theatre world in, in New Zealand. Mm. And, of course, they're over in New York. So she sure. actually travels over and um, she she did some of the filming of this film when she was over in New York oh, wow. doing the da- doing the uh, last film, A Mild Touch of Cancer, with David Downs. Um, so Annie Goldson is, you know, one of our absolute fave um, New Zealand film directors, Absolutely. you know, like we have film directors from in New Zealand who are in the festival a number of years, and Annie's Annie's been there for many many years, and we absolutely love having her in the, in the festival. And yes, I was surprised at the amount of old footage that she managed to dredge up I'm and find for, and come across. I'm doing the Q and A's on this for Annie, so oh, right. and I'm really looking forward to talking to her more about actually get getting hold of that archival footage. <laughs> Right. And, and how the story came about in terms of doing this. And you also have a retrospective of Gaylene Preston, you know. We do, because it's 30 years since Bread and Roses was first screened. Goodness um, me. I know. I feel like it was only like five years, but yeah. no, it's 30 years. And this is a 4K restoration. In fact, Gaylene has been in the edit suite mm. with um, Mike Hedges this week. That's how close we close we run, Simon, is these filmmakers are still putting the beautiful fi- final touches on their films, and in this case it's a, it's a restoration. Now, speaking of retro, you have an interesting selection, as always, of cult classics, including uh, the live cinema one. This is the uh, orchestral backing of a Charlie Chaplin film this time. Yes, the circus. So it's been four years since we've been able to do live cinema with, you know, the Auckland Film. Harmonia mm. Orchestra. It's our 21st collaboration with them. And The Circus is a family-friendly film. It's it's Charlie Chaplin. And it's actually the score that they're playing is the score that was released 40 years after the release of the film. So it's Charlie Chaplin's actual score. He's, oh, wow. He re-scored it. The film came out in actually in 1928. Actually 100 years ago. I'm yeah, sure. nearly 100 years ago. So yeah, it went, it's 95th year this year, which it's really special for us to be able to do live cinema again in the glory Civic, of course. Of course. In addition to that, there's a couple of uh, Japanese art films which look great. You've also got one of the cheapest and most famous B-movies ever made. This is a film called Detour. And whenever anyone talks about (laughs) B-movies, and they say, of course, some of them were works of genius... Three or four of them were works of genius, but one of them is Detour always. Detour is a work of genius. Mm. It is absolutely a film that... I mean, all these films, we've got a retro retro, retro collection. I'm like going, gosh, it doesn't seem like that long ago that they came out, but it actually is. Mm-mm. And I feel that it's an opportunity as well for some of our younger um, film lovers to mm. a, a, to really come and see what 
these filmmakers from 30 years ago or more put up on the screen and, and the influence that they've had on filmmaking today. Detour was astonishing. I remember seeing it eventually and, and it, they've spent no money on everything they everything that's in it they've stolen, basically. If ever there was a punk rock classic, it would be that. So Yeah, it's the punk rock of the film world, that it one. Absolutely is. You also got an, uh, one that I'm quite uh, keen on because I've heard of it but never seen it. This is a film called The Innocence, which is a... An English classic ghost story. It's a yes. Henry James story that's uh, made by a guy called Jack Clayton, who is another guy I barely know anything about. But it looks like it. That's a that's one to check out too. Are you definitely, and that's that's one that's been. Um, it's it's a lot of people are like you, and I'm actually another one. I haven't actually seen The mm. Innocence either, and mm. really wanting to. I've really put. I've already put it on my list to go and see because it's one that has been around, and people talk about people it. People rave and, about and, yeah, it. Yeah, people rave about that it, gets... and I'm like, oh, I must go and see that one day. So yeah. this is the opportunity to do that. And of course, one that I'm really looking forward to is Claire Denny's um, Chocolat. All oh, right, yeah. yeah. Now, not to be confused with the other chocolate. No, not to be confused <laughs> with the other chocolate. Very good point. Yeah. So this is um, this is Bill Gosden programmed a lot of um, a lot of Claire's. He loved Claire. Yeah, didn't he loved yeah. Claire's Denny, and this is this was her first. Mm. So really, it is harking back to that period, and we've had so many of her films. Um, so really, looking forward to that. In addition to that, of course, there are uh, docos about filmy sort of things. Uh, in this case, there's a Fascinating one about Hitchcock, where somebody's got a Hitchcock impersonator to narrate it, which I think, that's cheeky. And, the, <laughs> and there's another one about film score legend Ennio Morricone, which I think anyone who's remotely interested Absolutely. in music, film music is will go and see that. There's quite a few wildly meta postmodern films about films and the media. There's a thing called Brainwashed, which has a, as its position that the male gaze is baked into film framing. You know, every shot says male gaze, and you're thinking, okay, well, that's a fairly long bow to draw. I'm interested to see how you pull that off. Yeah, Nina Minke's film, um, she takes quite a good look at the male and female gaze Mm. in film in this one and looks at how do we view film? And it's not just with male filmmakers, Mm. it's with female filmmakers as well. Sure. We are really interested in in this discussion and it is a discussion that has come up you know around you know female filmmakers and women in film and but it's not just about women making films it's actually about how women are portrayed in films quite often particularly in the film festival the emphasis is quite often on the maybe the director and certainly on the writer but very rarely on the pictures and the pictures are basically what film is you know yeah no matter what people like me who do programmes about films on radio try and claim. But the fact <laughs> is, this is quite an interesting way of looking at that. There's a couple of films about video stores. Oh, I like movies as well. <laughs> and um, what's the other one called, Simon? Oh, it's called Kim's Videos. Kim's Videos, that's right. These are two films for people who love films, I guess. That's true. Um, and I think that both of them will get great audiences. They're great films. We've barely scraped the surface, as always, in these chats here, Sally. So all I can suggest is to let people know that that's couldn't be more international this year. We've got films from Cape Verde to Chile, from Taiwan to Jordan. We've got lots of films also about Indigenous people, which is what I was struggling to remember at the beginning of this chat, because that seems to be another almost inadvertent theme, that suddenly it's not just going to different countries, but 
talking to the indigenous people in a lot of these countries as well. Around about this time of the show, I normally like to ask, are there any favourites of yours that you feel might otherwise fly under the radar? Oh, gosh, because I've already talked about Rice Boy, which is an absolute favourite of mine. I I'm, have actually seen it. I'm pleased that you mentioned Past Lives because, I'm, you know, I want, I want to underline that one once more, past one more time. Past Lives is a beautiful film. I mean, someone asked me the other day, you know, what's my favourite genre? I couldn't even name my favourite genre, let alone a favourite right. favorite films. I think that Fallen Leaves is our closing night film with um, Aki Karasmaki, who has, great, hasn't, yeah, great Finnish director, hasn't been in the film festival for six years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so great. So, I mean, and, and Monster. I mean, I'm a huge Coriada Hirokatsu fan. He is huge. great. <laughs> and it's not until you actually look him up and you say, oh, that film. Oh, that other film. Yeah, yeah. and that film, and that film. And the way he tells the family story is just beautiful and I'm so looking forward to this. I've mm. deliberately not watched it beforehand because I want to see it at the film festival Absolutely. with everybody else. I have to say that if I had a pick, it was going to be a film called Good Boy, which is one of the incredibly strange films. Now, the reason I'm picking it, it's a film about a woman who meets a billionaire and, her, and the billionaire's best friend is a guy who dresses up as a dog. And you'd look at that thinking, well, this is clearly nuts. And then I looked a little further and says, it's from Norway. All my favourite films last year all came from Norway, so I'm prepared to give it a go. Those Scandinavians, man. Um, yeah, the incredibly strange programme, I'm always kind of like a little bit terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but this year there actually are two films in there that I'm keen on. One is Hello Dankness with Soda Jerk. Um, now, Soda Jerk are two people and they're coming out here, aren't they? They are, yeah. They're two sisters. That's a very meta looking at... It is very meta and very much sort of like Trump type, you know, like leaning into that... Post-truth. The post-truth. They take other film and use other film as well to tell their story. We're actually doing our in-discussion, kind of in-conversation with Soda Jerk mm. um, and keen to have, you know, young filmmakers particularly come along and, and have a chat. But the other one that you haven't mentioned, Simon. Oh, no. Shin Ultraman. Oh, well, how could that have slipped through? <laughs> what is Shin Ultraman? Shin Ultraman. <laughs> have you heard of Shin Godzilla? No. These are, well, Shin is new in Japanese. Right. So these are like, it's, it's like... It's, it's like, like a reboot. It's like a reboot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Well, I, I look forward to it. I'll check it out. Look, the final suggestion, as I always say at the end of this, is you will go to the ones that look promising. I mean, that people do. But go and see another one. Go and just take a punt. You never know, because half the time you go to something you've never heard of and it turns out to be the best film you saw that year. So Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, Simon. And, you know, like, take a punt. This is a curated program. Every single film in the program mm. we curate with love. Every single film we've, we've selected, especially for our wonderful audience in Aotearoa, um, to experience. Now, final thing, I guess, I, I don't know whether we include this in the interview, but it's basically dates and venues. So it's opening in Auckland. Yes, 19th of July to the 6th of August in Auckland. And then the rest of the country rolls out. So it opens the following week in Wellington. Mm -hmm. Then it's Dunedin's turn, Christchurch, and then we roll out around the rest of the country. 16 towns and cities. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com 
or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 